Hi everyone, my name is Charmaine and I'm the dietitian that helps people reverse type 2 diabetes and I have Galia here with me. You can say hi to yeah, everyone, Galia. We are super excited today because we are going to talk about a common topic about weight loss and reversing type 2 diabetes and why weight loss is not enough. And we see this a lot because a lot of people think that if you just lose weight, you'll be able to reverse diabetes. And often when they're in the doctor's office, that's what they're told. Their doctor tells them, well, lose this 20 to 30 pounds and your diabetes will go away. Now, for some people, they may be able to lower their A1C, but for a lot of people, their blood sugar is still elevated despite the weight loss. And so we are going to dive deeper into why that is. And we're, in the end, we're going to give you an answer of how you can actually reverse type 2 diabetes for reals um, and still be able to lose weight as you go on this reversing diabetes journey. So should we get started? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love this topic. I think this is so important to go over, like you said, just because we hear this all the time, you know, but, and I think it can be really frustrating for people where you've put in so much effort into losing weight, but you don't necessarily see the results that you want in terms of your A1C, in terms of your blood sugar, and generally also just being able to, you know, maintain um, that weight loss. And so we're really going to just jump into the background science as to why this is the case. So if you've been following this podcast, if you've been following, you know, our social media pages, you would have heard us speak about the primary sites of insulin resistance before. So as a recap, insulin resistance occurs in three different uh, tissue types, cell types. So that will be in the liver, in the adipose, so like in, in fat tissue and in the skeletal muscle. We're really going to focus on skeletal muscle. And when we say skeletal muscle, again, there are different types of muscle in our body. Skeletal muscle is the, the muscle that we have the most of. It's literally what you think of when you hear muscle. So the muscles that make our body move. So skeletal muscle is absolutely essential when it comes to glucose metabolism. And so studies have found that skeletal muscle is responsible for between 70 to 90% of the uptake of glucose from the blood. So what does that tell us? That tells us that this tissue type is the most important tissue type in being able to regulate blood sugar and, you know, have your blood sugars be stable after a meal. So that postprandial reading that we're looking at. This also lets us know that anything that goes wrong in this site is going to have the biggest impact on our blood sugars. And so insulin resistance at the level of this type of muscle is going to be the kind of most, the, the most important um, determining factor as to our blood sugars. So defects in the response of this muscle type to insulin actually precede elevated blood sugar by decades. And this is all, again, we can share with you guys um, the studies that we have gotten this information from. This is all based on, on research and we'll gladly share that research with you if you want to read more about the actual, you know, details about this whole entire pr process. But like I said, you know, this really kind of illustrates that this muscle type, skeletal muscle, is essential in the initial stages of type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes in metabolic syndrome. And it's all 
also going to be that major site that we can actually really target to improve blood sugars. And, and this is what's really important to highlight here because it allows us to know, okay, this is something that I can do. I can work with this, right? I can improve this state. If I can tackle the insulin resistance in this tissue type, I can massively improve my blood sugars. So hypoglycemia, elevated blood sugars, any blood glucose excursions that you see is going to be the result of a lowered insulin stimulated glucose transport into skeletal muscle from the blood. So something that we definitely want to kind of establish more when we're speaking about this is the role of fats as a predictor of insulin resistance. And this is really Charmaine's realm. So I'm going to hand over to her to kind of go over with you guys, you know, exactly what insulin resistance is, how it accumulates, and particularly, like I said, in this tissue type that we're focusing on today. Yeah. So I I do want to highlight that um, when we talk about the fat that we're reducing isn't just the body fat that you're reducing. We're actually trying to target the fatty droplets that's in your muscle and your liver cells, because it's those fatty droplets that do affect your insulin sensitivity, not necessarily the fat in your fat cells, if that makes sense. So there's two different types of fat, right? Fats that you carry and then fats that are kind of like a glue, if we can imagine that. Fats that are kind of like a glue that inhibits the workings of insulin uh, to be able to bring in glucose from the blood into the cells. When people are losing weight, a lot of times they may be losing fat in their fat cells, but not necessarily the fatty droplets in their muscles or in their liver cells. And that is why a lot of people, when they lose weight, their blood sugar is still elevated because because the root cause of type 2 diabetes was never addressed, if that makes sense. And so that is exactly what we're trying to target. And I know that there has been studies on reversing diabetes that is done by putting someone on a super low calorie diet of like a 500 calorie diet or 800 calorie diet and people were able to reverse diabetes. However, we all know that that is not sustainable. And nowadays, a lot of people, when they try to lose weight, they try to lose weight by eating a keto diet or a low carb diet that is generally higher in fat and lower in carbs. And when it's high in fat, um, it's actually easier to increase your insulin resistance. And so you may be losing weight, you may maybe even losing a lot of water weight, but you may not be necessarily reducing your insulin resistance, if that makes sense. And so that is why a lot of times, even when people are able to lose weight, they aren't able to lower their blood sugar. And that's exactly what we're trying to address here, because a lot of people will think that, well, I already tried losing weight, doesn't work. I tried low carb, doesn't work, doesn't bring my blood sugar down, then, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's my fate, right? But what we're trying to share here is to really show that, okay, weight loss is not equal to reversing diabetes. Um, And we really want to show everyone the correct way or the optimal way to reverse diabetes if that makes sense yeah Uh, I think like like I said I think it's it's something so essential to speak about because so many people try so hard to lose a lot of weight thinking it's going to get them to where they want to be and ultimately to reiterate right like like we said there are three prime sites of insulin resistance because 
skeletal muscle is responsible for the majority of glucose metabolism, that's going to be kind of the most important tissue type to focus on. And like Charmaine said, when you lose weight, it doesn't necessarily mean that there is less insulin resistance in that tissue type. When you lose weight, what's happening is your adipose cells shrink, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that the insulin resistance in the skeletal muscle cells in the liver cells actually decreases. And so really kind of focusing on driving down that insulin resistance so that glucose metabolism can work efficiently in that primary site that is going to actually be a sponge for, you know, 70 to 90% of the glucose that is in your system that has to be metabolized. So if you guys are watching this on, on YouTube, you'll be able to see exactly what we're going through. So I'm going to try and put this in a fun way for everyone, not just like science nerds like, <laughs> like us who enjoy this kind of information. But like we said, you know, we really want to focus on insulin resistance. How does this happen? And in understanding how does this occur, we can actually reduce it or prevent it from building up or actually reversing that process. So insulin resistance, particularly in skeletal muscles, starts with increased free fatty acids. So what are free fatty acids? These are the results of dietary fat, fat that we eat from our diet. This is the, the breakdown. This is the process of the breakdown of those fats. So these increased fats that are you know, circulating in our um, system actually end up decreasing something known as a process of phosphorylation. I can't speak today, guys. <laughs> this is essential because phosphorylation is basically the process that is going to activate a key component of the insulin receptor. So you can imagine if we have decreased activation of the insulin receptor, we are going to have decreased action of insulin on that insulin receptor. What does insulin do when it binds to the insulin receptor? It actually moves, it mobilizes a transporter to the cell membrane that is going to act as a channel for glucose. So this channel is going to allow the glucose in the surrounding environment, in the blood, right, to move into the cell. So the cell can use this because glucose is essentially energy. It is what creates the energy currency of our bodies. So to reiterate, what happens when we have this increased fat, it's going to decrease the activation of a key component of the insulin receptor, which means insulin cannot bind. And this is where the analogy that we use time and time again happens, the gum in the lock, right? You can view the fats as being the gum. It's stopping this insulin binding, the, the key going into like the, the door that opens up the channel to allow glucose to come into the cell. This all starts with those free fatty acids. Where do these come from? These come from our diet. So by decreasing the amount of dietary fat, we can actually improve the activation of the insulin receptor. We can improve the cell response to insulin and we can increase the mobilization of this critical transporter. It's called GLUT4. It's the favorite 
glucose transporter of the body. <laughs> um, this channel that allows glucose to actually come in. This um, transporter that I just mentioned, GLUT4, it's the most important glucose transporter when it comes to postprandial glucose clearance, meaning if, if the body cannot successfully open up this channel for glucose to come into the cell, you will see higher and higher post-meal blood sugars. So this elevated dietary fat is really going to play a critical role at your post-meal blood sugars. So the less fat there is in the diet, the lower in turn your your post-meal blood sugars will be. This is a diagram for those who are watching that kind of goes through this process in depth. So these are all the fancy pantsy names and steps. But like I said, if you look at the fatty acids here, they come into the cell, they decrease the phosphorylation, the activation of the insulin receptor, which means we have a essential protein that mobilizes, that moves this glucose transporter to the cell, that doesn't happen. So like we said, we have decreased glucose transport into the cell. This process um, that we are outlining that occurs when you have increased dietary fat has actually been shown to decrease the activity that mobilizes this transporter to the cell for glucose transport by 50%. That is absolutely massive. And like I said, this is going to have a huge impact on your postprandial readings, your post-meal blood sugars, something that most people struggle with, right? This is really, really difficult. And it can feel like a chase throughout the day, right? Say you have breakfast and your post-meal blood sugar is high after breakfast. Three hours later, they're still high, but you want to have lunch. It can feel like a kind of losing chase meal after meal after meal. And this is something really, really simple that you can implement to actually help lower your blood sugars by just kind of cutting out that dietary fat, trying to, you know, make a couple of different choices progressively, right? And it can start with one meal. It can start by, you know, reducing or removing one item, one food from, from your diet. So that was my little uh, geeky rant about the whole process. I hope you guys are still with us. Uh, as you can tell, I get really excited by this kind of stuff. <laughs> Charmaine, does, did that all make sense? Did I articulate yeah. myself? <laughs> yes, that definitely makes sense. And, you know, I, I love this because I think it shows people that we're not just making this up because a lot of people are like, well, like they're just you know, vegan advocates or, you know, they're just like animal protectors and don't want people to eat meat. Like that's not it, you know, and, you know, we're, me and Galia are very open that we're not, you know, completely vegans. We're, you know, mostly plant-based, but this is really the bread and butter of, of what we're coaching and what we're teaching you guys is that this is actually science. And, you know, this is the kind of, domino effect of what a high fat diet does and it reminds me a lot of times when people ask me well i don't eat a lot of sweets and i don't like dessert and i don't know why i developed type 2 diabetes right and so i think this is perfect for explaining that what causes type 2 diabetes is not necessarily the sugar itself, but it's the dietary fat that you're eating from meat, from cheese. Um, and then the bread that you eat, you know, <laughs> besides that bread is not bad necessarily, especially when you choose whole grain. But when you pair that with 
a meal that is high in fat, but a meal that is. So as I was saying, when you pair that high fat butter, the high fat red meat, that high fat cheese, along with bread and rice, because you're eating the bread and rice, you're, you're actually lowering your body's ability to process those foods. And that is exactly why, even though you may not necessarily eat a lot of fruits, eat a lot of sugar, that's why type 2 diabetes will still develop because of the insulin resistance, because of this phenomenon that we're talking about. So thank you so much for sharing that, Galia. I think that is definitely essential for us to understand why. For those of you who didn't understand, <laughs> that's okay. But for those of you who did, or for those of you who, you know, didn't get the nitty gritty of it, it's okay. This is really just to highlight and just to further explain why the fat is the gum that gets stuck in the cells that prevents insulin from working well, if that makes sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'll just add, like, to reiterate onto that, like, like Charmaine, if if the actual kind of cellular process didn't make as much sense to you, there are also like more observational type of studies that illustrate this principle. So there's been many studies that have looked at people who have a healthy weight, people that. Mm-hmm. Have a healthy BMI. They do not have prediabetes. They don't have type two diabetes, right? Um, and they're able to observe that that there is an inverse relationship between the insulin sensitivity in that person's body and the amount of uh, intramyocellular lipids. So the amount of fat that is kind of accumulates. Um, in the cell, which is what we're discussing. And this kind of shows you as well that that amount, that lipid, right, that intramyocellular lipid, it's independent of weight, right? If insulin uh, resistance had something to do with how much you weigh, then you wouldn't observe insulin resistance in, in these individuals who have a normal BMI, right? And so what they see is that as that amount of um, lipid, intramyocellular lipid that comes from the diet increases, their insulin sensitivity decreases. So they become more insulin resistant. And this really kind of shows us us observationally right outside of the cellular explanation that we went over in this episode this shows us that being overweight central adiposity it's actually not the driver of insulin resistance it's not the cause it is those intramyocellular lipids and how they stop the activation of like i said the uh, insulin receptor and they reduce the mobilization of this glucose transporter to the cells. So then you just have this glucose that stays stuck in the blood because there aren't the necessary uh, transport channels in the cells to actually allow that glucose to enter the cell. Hopefully that kind of makes it more clear outside of the <laughs> the geeky science um, explanation. But if you guys do have any questions about that, or if you do want to know more about it, you can always like DM either one of us. I mean, I think it's so important to understand this process because there is a lot of information out there. It can be really, really confusing, but science doesn't lie. Um, Research science doesn't lie. And so the more you can understand about this, the more informed of a choice we can make 
as people who are trying to improve their health. So if you guys do have any questions, if you do want more information, you can reach out to us. Like we said in the beginning, uh, we can also share with you the research articles if you want to have a look at these too. Yeah, um, I'm rambling now, guys. I get excited. (laughs) I love that. And I think at the end of the day, right, if you're thinking about, well, but you know, the mainstream is all about low carb, it's all about calorie counting. And, you know, or that's what my doctor told me. Now, I would ask you this question, at the end of the day, it's up to you, right? It's up to you to choose a method that focuses on the root cause or a method that just manages the symptom, right? And so I think if you want to be able to eat more carbs and be able to lose weight and be able to reverse your diabetes, lower your blood sugar, then, you know, really, this is the way a whole foods plant based diet really is the way to allow you to do so. Now, um, one thing this is kind of bonus that I wanted to add, this is more catered towards weight loss. And it's interesting, because the dietary fat doesn't just affect your cells in the insulin activity. It also affects your mitochondria. We all know that in weight loss, metabolism is really important. And mitochondria is the little cells that are responsible for metabolism. And just as how dietary fat can block insulin's activity, dietary fat can also lower the mitochondria activity. Now, scientists think that this is a protective mechanism where, you know, when we're in the wild, when we didn't get to eat, when we finally get a meal that is high in calories, that's high in fat, the body lowers its metabolism so that it can start storing fat. But that doesn't work nowadays in our well-fed world, right? It doesn't work like that. The dietary fat doesn't only affect the insulin activity, but also affects our metabolism. So if you want to lose weight, if you want to lower your blood sugar, it is important to cut down the dietary fat. And the best way to do so without starving yourself, without feeling hungry all the time is the whole foods plant-based diet because it's high in fiber. The volume is going to help you feel satisfied. The carbs is going, the healthy carbs is going to fuel you. The plant-based protein is not only going to give you building blocks for muscle building for your body's function, but also the dietary fiber will help you lower cholesterol, lower your insulin resistance and help you lose weight and all the good things. So that's why we're so passionate about this. Hopefully this makes sense to you all. And if you want to know more, you can check out our free training. It's going to be in the show notes and you'll be able to also check out our 12-week reversing diabetes system if you're interested in working with our team to help you reverse type 2 diabetes. So thank you so much for listening, you guys. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.